0: are Locked On Giants. Your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Hello New York Giants fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Family. Your team every day. My name is Patricia Chen and I hope and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. You can find all the links to my work on my Twitter account at Patricia underscore Trainer. They include Forbes, Sesame Nation, The Journal inquirer Insight Football, The Maven, and many others. And today's show, we're actually going to do uh, a, something really, ex- I, I think, is, is an interesting study. I have a special guest on the line with me. It's Mike Renner, a pro football focus. And what we're going to do is we are going to break down the Giants' needs by pre- position we're going to start with the offense and mike is going to share with us some of his work over at pro football focus some of their their metrics and kind of looking at who are some of the names we should be looking at to fill those needs both in terms of free agency and the draft so mike thank you so much for coming on the program with me very excited to go through this exercise with you
0: i'm excited as well thank you for having me on here
1: oh my pleasure my pleasure so Mike let's jump right into it and I I think we've got to get the elephant in the room out of the way first you know because this is I have never seen such a polarizing topic as I have lately with Eli Manning you know 38 years old there are some uh, who are in the camp that you know the Giants need to move on from him after this year there are some who say he still has you know good football left you know that he was a victim of of you know a shoddy offensive line you know and, and what not so, if we could, let's start with you know your take on his performance and how big of a need that position really is and why.
0: I think it is by far their biggest need uh, as a football team. I think, no matter you look at the entire roster, I think an upgrade at the quarterback position would offer the biggest jump in terms of win totals of any position or any even unit that they could upgrade uh, this offseason. And I think. There's, there is some truth to, yes, the offensive line has not been good in front of them for a while now, but at the same time, there's only so many positions you can invest in offensively and defensively. You have to sort of put your uh, eggs in the certain baskets, and they've chosen to put their eggs in drafting wide receivers, signing wide receivers. I go to Beckham to long contracts, tight ends as well with Evan Ingram, and then running backs and Saquon Barkley. They've addressed the skill positions and stacked that talent up. So you just you simply can't keep investing in offensive line and skill positions. You just have to sort of make those investments as best possible where you can. But our grades, everything has shown that over basically since the 2012 season, Eli Manning has been on a sort of downward trend in his career and And the last three years have been three, two of the last three years have been two of his lowest grades of his entire career. And so, from that perspective, uh, I just don't think there's pretty much everything in the data says he's not going to ever get back to that guy we saw that won multiple Super Bowls. And the biggest thing, the, the one biggest thing that I point to is this statistic that we track called big time throws, which is special throws, accurate throws down the football field, deep throws. That was where. In 2011, he led the NFL. This past season, he was below average in terms of how many big-time throws he made. And with those skill position players that he does have, that should not be the case.
1: Mike, in terms of you know the effect that Pat Shermer had on Eli, I mean, we've seen Pat Shermer turn Case Keenum into a, a quality quarter, uh, quarterback when they were with Minnesota. Did Pat Shermer have that much of an effect on Eli's performance to where it maybe? Raised a little bit, or did you, or did it continue to go, slide down the, you know, slide down the charts?
0: I, I don't think he raised his performance really at all. It gave him a lot more safer underneath throws, and I think his statistics, like you know, completion percentage, looked a lot better because of that. Because he targeted, you know, Saquon Barkley far more than they ever targeted running backs in the past. So from that perspective, some of the stats looked better. But in terms of the pure performance-based metrics that we have, there really was nothing to suggest that. Uh, this was any sort of turnaround for his career.
1: Okay, so with that said, we could, I, I think you, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's a high need. So with mm-hmm. that said, let's look at the Pending free agents now. Of course, Nick Foles is a name that gets thrown around. Teddy Bridgewater is a name that gets thrown around. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure there are others, and there may even be some guys that become available via trade or a cut. Who are some of the guys that you think would be, you know, based on where they are in their careers, might be a good fit for the Giants from the free agency perspective?
0: I think they almost just have to. Now, I'm not going to say Nick Foles is going to, you know, all of a sudden turn his career around being. Uh, in New York, where Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the guy who, you know, everyone that the Vikings drafted in the first round and looked fairly good his first few years in the league. But I do think they have to at least try because I think this offense is good enough and has enough talent where it could be a competitor. This team should be able to compete, and they're ready to do so right away. So if you look at the, you know, free agency versus the draft, if you go to the draft, it's probably not going to. It's probably still going to be a few year project. Whereas free agency, someone like Teddy Bridgewater. Nick Foles or even a trade for a guy like Derek Carr, who I think will be available just based off of everything John Gruden's done in his tenure there in Oakland. Uh, I think someone like that could come in and immediately upgrade. I I like the Nick Foles fit from a talent perspective in terms of what the throws he likes, the throws he's best at, the downfield throws would fit perfectly with that offense, with Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram there on the outside. He would be He just has made more of them over the past two seasons in Philly than Eli Manning has made him at a higher rate than Eli Manning has. So I think that would be an interesting fit, although I'm not sure price range wise they could fit both Eli Manning, which I think is their plan now is to keep him and another quarterback uh, under their cap.
1: Probably not. I would agree with you there. So with that said, let's look at the draft. And I know a lot of Giant fans want Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Um, some people are, are leaning towards, you know, Daniel Jones. Some people are, are, are leaning towards, um, uh, God, goodness, Luck, is it? Um, Drew Luck. Yes, Drew Luck. Yeah. Uh, Drew Locke Um, who are some of the you know based on the study you guys have done who are some of the guys who who are really the real deal you know I know there's Knox against Haskins because he's only been a starter for one year but you know based on your study who are some of those guys that you think are 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 under the radar or could be the real deal in terms of a long-term franchise quarterback
0: of the guys you mentioned just there I think Haskins is the only one I'd realistically consider taking in the top 10. And if he did fall to them, or if they did end up trading up, I would be fine with that. I think he is that talented of a quarterback. But I will throw one more name at you that has gotten a lot of buzz, but not necessarily just because of his on-field performance, uh, but who I think I'd be willing to take in the top 10, who I actually like in the Giants' offense more than Haskins at this point, is Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, the Heisman winner. The big reason being... The running threat he adds with his legs you know, added to Saquon Barkley, those two in the backfield would be incredibly dynamic. If you think about how Lamar Jackson turned around the Ravens at the end of the year with his legs and how making that the focal point of the offense, just how much that impacts defenses. Kyler Murray's a much more talented passer than Lamar Jackson. He is far more accurate, maybe not as dynamic with his legs, but the option looks that that could present with Saquon Barkley – and Kyler Murray is just devastating in terms of what that could do to opposing defenses, how much that would impact their running game, how much that could take their running game to the next level. And then all of a sudden, you he has, like I said, he's a more accurate passer than Jackson was with someone like Odell Beckham, someone like the, the weapons they have on the outside. That could, year one, create a big turnaround for this offense.
1: In terms of these scrambling or these mobile quarterbacks, how many of them are really you know, efficient and just – being that classic pocket passer, just dropping back, sitting up, and throwing, or are they, they are guys that are just better off moving around in the pocket and then you know throwing on the move
0: Well, I think there's it's almost impossible to separate the two if you want to just make them pocket passers, you're not utilizing their skill set to its fullest. I think we saw uh, Russell Wilson uh, we've seen over the course of his career, when he's you know sort of dinged up, and they get away from those. Uh, utilizing his legs as a rushing threat, that's when that offense sort of goes in the tank. I think you have to use guys like Cam Newton, like Russell Wilson. You have to utilize that rushing threat to make the offense as explosive as it can possibly be. But I do think Murray, as a pocket passer, they opposing defenses in the Big 12 tried to make him that. They did not let him a lot of these games they did not let him necessarily uh get out of the pocket too much they would do a lot of uh what's called mush rushing and just contain rushing and not let him break the pocket and I still think he won a ton from the pocket not as much as Baker Mayfield did a season ago but he was still very good in his own right that is the reason why he won the Heisman so I do think as a pure passer he is more than capable and sort of compares to uh Russell Wilson in that light
1: Okay so I think we can both agree that the Giants will probably keep Eli one more year let him play out his contract whether or not they do so at his current rate which I think is 23.2 million that's up for debate I don't think they're going to they're going to sit with that total. I think they're going to look to redo him. So Mike, in terms of the future at giant quarterback, where in your opinion, would the giants be better off going in terms of getting um, the next successor to Eli Manning draft or free agency?
0: I think your best bet here is draft. I don't love the free agency crop. I think they, you can get an all right guy, but I don't think any of those are going to be, you know, surefire franchise offense changing, sort of players. You could be a little improved, but I'm not sure it's going to really put them over the hump. They still have their deficiencies defensively. I think you want the cheap quarterback so you can get that cap space to then build long term.
1: Okay, that sounds uh, like a, the direction a lot of people want to go in. And, and, you know, Mike, one one last question before we move off quarterbacks. I wanted to ask you about Daniel Jones because that's a name that I've heard thrown around with, you know, linked to the Giants. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of rumors flowing around at this time of the year. But I wanted to get just a quick, you know, assessment mm-hmm. on Jones from you. If I
0: could. He definitely has the look the part sort of you know, that a lot of NFL coaches love. He's going to play from the pocket. He's that sort of player. But at the same time, just his accuracy metrics at this point are not yet on an NFL level. Uh, he's one of, you know, just had a average to below average adjusted completion percentage in his time at Duke. Had only really one year where he even graded uh, even reasonably well. And then, and even then it wasn't that high of a grade he had this past season. I, I think there's a lot of question marks with him. And people are, if you're going to draft him, I would not be drafting him in the first two rounds is all I'll say.
1: Okay, great. So appreciate that info. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Tranan and special guest Mike Renner a Pro Football Focus. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the next elephant in the room, the hog molly, I should say, in the room. And that would be the offensive line. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. You're with Patricia Trena and special guest Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. And we're taking a look at the New York Giants' off-season needs. We're going by position by position. And Mike is kind enough to share with us his take and his research on the free agency crop, also the draft crop, and kind of come up with a plan for the Giants, whether we would, they would be better off going draft or free agency and we just finished the quarterback the elephant in the room so now we're going to talk about the hog mollies in the room the offensive line and this is a unit that last year Mike. Dave Gettleman sought to upgrade now the big question last year was would the line be better or just different and as we saw I think you know we could safely say that it was different not necessarily better headed in the right direction you know with the with the addition of Will Hernandez and with Nate Solder you know having come along and after a slow start but the right side of that offensive line certainly needs a lot of work wouldn't you agree
0: I would very much agree. They could address center, right guard, and right tackle very easily this offseason.
1: Okay, so with that said, draft experts have said that the interior of the offensive line is a really good class. So we're talking centers and guards there. What has been your take on the the study you've done on centers and guards?
0: Yeah, I think it's a solid class. And the good news is I think there will be a lot available uh, in the wraparound pick there at the second round. Uh, for them because uh, i don't think there's any i don't think a lot of the guards like we saw last year when you know isaiah Wynn, uh frank rag now billy price quentin nelson all went in round one i think it's a good offensive of line class but i think a lot of them are going to get pushed down to round two so there should be a good one there for them at the top of the second round if that's where they choose to address it
1: okay so let's stay in with the interior you know they they have john halapio at center who's coming off of surgery spencer pulley played for them and and Did okay. I mean, he he helped settle down that line. Um, John Greco is, I think, 33 or 34 years old. My guess is he retires. They had this youngster, Evan Brown, who never got on the field but was on the roster all year. I mean, if you have to go cheap, if you will, at a position, is that the position to to go cheap? Or do you think maybe at guard is the better place to go?
0: I think is was good enough in the limited time we saw from last year that I wouldn't you don't have to address there, but from what we saw at uh, with Spencer Pulley in there and obviously on the outside of tackle, I would be putting my money heavily into those positions or whatever investment I can make at those two.
1: OK, let's talk about Jamon Brown's performance, because when he came over from the Rams, you know, everybody, he, he seemed to settle that line down. But towards the end, I don't know if it's just my take or if you agree, but I thought he tailed off a little bit. I thought, you know, there were times when the the production didn't match the size and the power that he seemed to bring. What was your take on his performance?
0: Yeah, there was, in my opinion, a reason why the Rams were willing to just cut ways with him after he had been a starter there for a handful of years. Uh, It's because he never graded well before, and he didn't grade well even when he went to the Giants. Over the past, uh, he gave up multiple pressures in, you know, I think, six of the last seven games there uh, for the Giants. Just has never been a quality pass protector. And so while you can do worse, certainly, at the guard position in the NFL, it's definitely a place where you could either upgrade through free agency or the draft.
1: Okay, and then we have to talk about right tackle, because that to me was probably the biggest problem on that offensive line. You know Eric flowers they they thought they could flip him over from the left side to the right side. That didn't work out, and they cut their losses. They put Chad Wheeler in there. Chad Wheeler's a guy who, you know he works, you know he knows his assignments, but I, I just don't know that he has the you know the the skill set to really be you know a starter at that position. Do you agree?
0: I agree. He was a bottom three graded right tackle for us. He gave up, you know, uh, over f- almost 50 pressures on the season this past year. And, you know, they got rid of Eric Flowers, not because they had an upgrade behind him, but just because they were sick of Eric Flowers at this point. So uh, they really didn't have a backup plan. And I don't foresee Wheeler being a starter uh, anywhere in the future.
1: OK, so in terms of priority, for that offensive line. Tell me if you agree with this. I, I would say right tackle for sure, followed by guard, right guard, and then center would be at the bottom because I think they can live with Jalapio another year. Do you see it that way as well?
0: I would completely agree. I, I think even if you just address right tackle and get someone with some competency in there, it would immediately just improve the entire off line. It would fix it would just the entire line as a whole would look a lot better uh, over the course of the season that to me, just any sort of anyone you can get at right tackle would be uh, the position I'd address. And I I wouldn't even worry about necessarily worry about the other positions until I get that one addressed.
1: Okay. So with that said, the name that gets floated around at right tackle because of the Carolina connection with Dave Gettleman is Daryl Williams. What's your take on him?
0: Yeah. Daryl Williams has been one of the better right tackles since he enter the starting lineup, obviously missed all of 2018 with an injury they suffered in preseason. But the year before that uh, was on our Pro Bowl team uh, in the NFC. I, I think he is uh, probably the best right tackle option on the market uh, at the moment. Now, uh, as we saw last year, tackles do not get paid cheaply. They cost a lot of money. I'm not sure the Giants will have enough to invest in a guy like Williams, but he certainly would uh, shore up that position.
1: Okay, so assuming they don't have enough to to invest in a guy like Williams, is there a second or third tier type of free agent, a veteran free agent that you think might be a good fit for that Giants offensive line?
0: Ty Inseki is an interesting option uh, from Washington. He's a guy who's been sort of a career backup there, but every time he's played for them, uh, when, you know, either Trent Williams has gone down or Morgan Moses, he's been very good as a backup tackle. Uh, so I think he's a quality option. Bobby Massey as well from the Chicago Bears, right tackle. Another guy who's a little older but has always been competent in pass protection. They don't need a whole lot. you know. They don't need to sign another Nate Solder. They don't need to throw a ton of money out there. They just need someone who can at least hold up a little bit, Someone you can trust sometimes in one-on-ones. And I think that's what they'd be getting out of guys like those too.
1: Okay, so if free agency then is not the option, what are their options in a draft class that I, again, I have heard is not a, a strong class for t- offensive tackles?
0: Yeah, to me, there's one offensive tackle that I could even feasibly see drafting. Uh, where they will be drafting in the first round is Jonah Williams from Alabama. Some teams like him at guard, but in our grading system, he was the highest graded Uh, college offensive tackle this past season only gave up fewer than 10 pressures all season long at Alabama uh, only a junior so to me that's the only one I'd even consider there in the top 10
1: and if given your druthers if you're Dave Gettleman or you're advising Dave Gettleman free agency or draft which way do you go
0: well, we already said draft was probably where I'd address quarterback and I think that would be my plan. So I think someone like Massey or Inseki would be your best bet. They're not going to be terribly expensive, but they will be a vast a massive upgrade. So I think free agency is where I'd go to address tackle.
1: And it If they do go free agency to address tackle, what kind of impact do you think that might make, uh, you know, assuming that they bring Jamon Brown back? Do you think they could live with, you know, an interior of on that right side with Talapeo, Jamon Brown and and say, you know, uh, one of those guys that you mentioned?
0: I think so uh, because I think when you're playing next to a quality tackle versus playing next to someone like Chad Wheeler it just it helps you out in terms of passing off stunts getting the calls correctly when you're uh, at guard there so I think they could live with it obviously you'd like to upgrade but it wouldn't be it just would the offensive line would look so so much better if you did have a quality uh, right tackle there
1: and are there any other positions on that giant offensive line? I mean, obviously that I think they're set with Nate Soldier, although Nate Soldier is in his 30s now. You know, they're they're obviously not going to be able to, I don't think to address that, but I would say a swing tackle, can Chad Wheeler be that swing tackle? Or do you just, you know, say, look, the guy's a good guy, but time to cut bait and move on?
0: I think you always want to be trying to develop offensive linemen in the middle rounds of the draft. You always want to have some sort of developmental guys in the 4th 5th round that you're trying to improve. So I do think that there's room for uh, to draft a guy like that like I said in the if you don't if you do address if you do sign someone like Bobby Massey in free agency, there is room for a third, fourth or fifth round pick along that offensive line as a backup tackle.
1: And then finally, on a good note, I want to talk a little bit about the development that you saw from Will Hernandez, because obviously this young man is going to be a staple of that offensive line for years to come. You know, he started off coming from UTEP, which is not the highest level of competition in college, but I thought he got better as the year went on. Where did you see him making the biggest jump?
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Will Hernandez's game. I was a big fan coming out. I love the pick. Uh, I think the fact that he is already playing as well as he is coming from, like you mentioned, UTEP, where the competition just not close to what you're seeing at the NFL level. And he didn't allow a sack from week eight on. He was very, very much improved over the down the stretch of the season. So I do think that Will Hernandez. Uh, I think you have a quality guard option there going forward with sort of Pro Bowl
1: upside. And, of course, he benefited from having Nate Solder next to him, which is what you were saying before about having a quality offensive mm-hmm. tackle next to you that can really make a difference.
0: Yes, exactly. I think just having uh, the biggest thing along the offensive line is to not have a weak link. If you have one guy who's really missing assignments, blowing stuff, it's going to make the whole offensive line look a lot worse. And they had you know, multiple guys at times along that offensive line that were those sort of weak links. So just shoring that up to some degree, not having it be liabilities there will go a long, long way.
1: Awesome. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Traina, special guest Mike Renner a Pro Football Focus. Stay with us, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about the skill positions, running back tight end and receivers, and get Mike's take on the priorities and where the Giants would be best off going in each of those positions. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Lockdown Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Tranan and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me. At Patricia underscore trainer and joining me is Mike Renner a pro football focus and we are breaking down the New York Giants needs on the offensive side of the ball we've already done quarterback we've done the hog mollies on the offensive line and Mike now let's turn our attention to the skill position players and I'm going to lump these all together because you know as I look at running back tight end and receiver if, if there's one spot to me that the Giants really really need to address and that is finding a, a good solid third receiver i thought evan ingram the tight end might fill that role without necessarily making a position switch but it just seemed like pat Shermer, for whatever reason never really figured out how to use ingram and um and and odell beckham jr at the same time when they were on the field so i I just wonder if you know would a solid third receiver you think complete that that core um position group for them
0: yeah, I think there is a need for a third receiver. I think they could add some size to their receiving core as well. But at the same time, uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be the incremental investment there is going to be worth a lot. Now, a mid-round pick, I'm happy to do. But first, second round, I just don't think. I think there are far bigger needs on this roster. You already have two quality, obviously one elite wide receiver, Odell Beckham, and another quality option, Sterling Shepard. I think uh, if you you know change in quarterbacks could also you know sort of alleviate that issue you talked about with Evan Ingram and Odell Beckham not really seeming to mesh. That could be uh, in terms of Eli Manning's preference as well.
1: In terms of what the Giants did have at receiver, you know, they had – to me, they, they just didn't have a solid, tall threat. You know, they brought in some guys with height, but none of them really emerged. And, you know, you think back to 2007 when Eli had Plaxico Burris. You think back to when, you know, he, he had uh, those tall receiving types. How much of a difference have you seen uh, in Eli's game when he's had that tall receiving threat versus some of these shorter guys he's, he's had to throw to over the years?
0: I do think Eli Manning where he prefers to throw is at the intermediate level and a lot of the larger receivers are at their best in the intermediate level he's not great on pure goal balls the pure downfield routes he's the best he's best at those sort of 12 to 18 yard the intermediate the deep ends the deep outs the comebacks that sort of thing and that's where a more physical receiver will win more often in my opinion so I do think that they could uh, address that with a, you know, a larger type of wide receiver would have its role in that offense. It would be someone Eli would prefer to throw to.
1: Okay. Let's look at then at the receiver. So if we can agree that, you know, they could use a nice tall third receiving option, who are some of the guys in free agency that we might want to keep an eye on?
0: I'm not sure there's any free agents that really fit the bill. It's a very weak, weak wide receiving class in free agency. The best one, golden Tate isn't even six feet tall here. So there might not be anyone, uh, maybe Devin Funches of the Panthers, but he, again, I'm not sure he's ever been quality over the course of his career. He's like, he's almost Evan Ingram like, and in that he's more tight end than wide receiver, uh, at this point. So I'm not sure there's anyone that I'd say free agent wise is going to be a huge, you know, a vast upgrade for them.
1: Okay. Then how about in the draft? Is there anybody who's kind of caught your eye?
0: I think the draft is would be a better place to invest. There's a ton of larger receivers in this draft. It's a great draft to draft someone who's six four and above. Guys like JJ Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford, Kelvin Harmon from NC State, uh, Hakeem Butler, Iowa State, uh, Nikhil Harry from Arizona, all six four plus, all great in contested catch situations. None of them are necessarily complete, you know, deep threat, not the complete sort of wide receiver that is going to go first round. But in the second round, I think all of them could be uh, upgrades for the Giants.
1: Okay, I think I think everybody can agree on that because it is said that the receiver class uh, in the draft is, is pretty rich. And there are some, you know, they come in all different shapes and sizes, but there are certainly, it, it just seems on, on the early work that I've done, it looks like there's just a lot more options than maybe in recent years. <laughs> Mike, let's talk about uh, tight end, and run, well, we'll start with tight end. Now, the Giants, of course, have Evan Ingram. Ingram came on after shaking off some early season um, injuries. Where did you see him making the biggest leap in his game?
0: Yeah, down the stretch, just one healthy. I think you showed basically who he is. He's a dynamic receiving threat who can break tackles, basically what you want out of a modern tight end. Now, he's never going to be dominant inline blocker he's not going to help out saquon barkley too much in the running game but that's not where the game is going that's not what you want out of the tight end position so i do think uh if he can stay healthy for 16 games next season we'll see we'll see him have a big year
1: and what about red ellison i thought red ellison's game regressed a little bit i know he had some injury issues but you know he's always been a really good blocker and i thought there were times when his blocking just wasn't you know anything more than pedestrian at best
0: we still saw him grade fairly well as a run blocker uh in our system uh started off struggling graded had a few games at the beginning of the year grade low but down the stretch was fantastic in terms of how he graded as a run blocker and that's that is his role you're not expecting him to catch too many passes he is the one who should be opening up the holes for saquon and we thought he did that all right so i, I do think uh as a run blocking as a number two tight end he basically fits the bill
1: well, here's the thing, though, with with the tight end situation. You know, you have Ellison, who was the number two tight end the biggest earner at that position, I I think by a long shot. You know, Evan Ingram is still on his rookie deal, and they had Scott Simonson, who was an undrafted free agent, they added to to the roster. So if you're the Giants, do you leave that position as is, or do you just say, you know, look, Rhett, you're on the wrong side of the 30, you're making too much for number two guy. Do you look to cut down his salary number, or do you look to just maybe get another, you know, younger, bigger blocker?
0: Yeah, I think number two tight ends is a very, uh, how do I put this kindly, a a very replaceable position. You can find, they're out in the street right now, guys who are good run blocking tight ends who aren't necessarily dynamic pass catchers. So for how much they're paying him, they're really not getting a lot of return on investment there. I, I do think if... This roster has far bigger needs that they could pay for. I think it's cap. It's somewhere around six million this year. That that could go a long way on the defensive side of the ball, or even along the offensive line.
1: Who are some of those names uh, that people might want to keep an eye on? Should the Giants decide to move on from Ellison? Truthfully,
0: I don't even think you really need a second tight end. I, I think that uh, the blocking tight ends. You can basically pick them up off the street. They're, they're just—you don't need a second tight end. It's not going to play a huge role in this offense. Should Evan Ingram be, you know, fully healthy here?
1: And also, they could always throw an extra offensive lineman in there. They absolutely needed to have a jumbo package on the field.
0: Yeah, that as well. I, I mean, it's just not a. It's not a demanding position in today's NFL. Okay,
1: all right, and then finally, let's talk about running back. Now, obviously, the Giants have Saquon Barkley. He was everything and then some that they expected, you know. But behind him, they had you know Wayne Gallman, who you know I thought had an up and down year. St- you know, steadied out at the end of the year. Jonathan Stewart didn't work out. Now, I had a question from a, uh, I say reader, a listener a a couple weeks ago who made a very good point. He said, look, you look at the Rams with CJ Anderson and Todd Gurley and and the the listener wanted to know, could the Giants maybe benefit more if they get a complimentary guy to Saquon Barkley to take some of the load off of him? What are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I I do worry about, pounding saquon barkley into the dirt they used him a lot he got a lot of touches this past year and realistically I and mean, if you're being honest with yourself here i don't think 2019 is the giant super bowl year i don't think they're just going to turn it around like that so you're saving him or not necessarily saving him but you're playing for him to be healthy two years down the line three years down the line when their actual you know super bowl window starts opening up here you know hopefully so I, I do think that they could behoove, it would behoove them to sort of cut back on his snaps because he played you know, almost 90% of their snaps offensively this past season, which is just a lot for a running back. It's just a lot of wear and tear on their legs. So uh, I, I do think that he could benefit from seeing a little bit more time there in the backfield.
1: And is there anybody in particular, be it in free agency or in the draft, that might be a good candidate? Or do they already have what they need in terms of Wayne Gallman?
0: I was gonna say I think Gallman's a fine option I I think you could obviously do better for a number two running back but it's not something where I'm going to necessarily invest in because of I've seen enough from Gallman that uh, I'm comfortable with him getting you know if it's 25 you know percent of the snaps back there the so be it I think he's capable enough to handle that
1: and then final question on the offense in general Mike quarterback or right tackle which If you're stacking up the needs, where is your number one, got to address it need?
0: Can I say both? I mean, I think they have to address both this offseason, but I do think quarterback is the one where if you do pass on, you'll be regretting it, you know, two or three years from now, uh, even more than right tackles. Right tackle will impact them in 2019 if they don't address it, but quarterback will impact them again in 2020 if they don't address it because it's rare to get a guy come in year one and really uh, excel. So I think it's a multiple-year process quarterback that has to start right now.
1: So bring a kid in and let him sit for a little bit while you still have Eli Manning, and then kind of do like what they did in 2004 with Kurt Warner, who kept the seat warm until Eli was ready.
0: Yeah, something like that. If you are dead set on keeping Eli Manning for this next season, you still have to address it because, like you said, it's not a – It's not going to happen right away. So uh, have him keep the seat warm for a young guy.
1: All right. Good stuff. That's Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Mike, tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
0: You can find me at PFF underscore Mike on Twitter, and I tweet out all my stuff from
1: there. And some great stuff. If you guys aren't checking out the stuff that – Pro Football Focus is putting out, do give them a look, some great analysis. And Mike, I want to thank you for coming on, breaking down the offense with me. And folks, do stay tuned on tomorrow's show. Mike is going to help me break down the defensive side of the ball. And, and there's a lot to talk about on that side of the ball. So on behalf of Mike Renner, this is Patricia Trainus signing off.